1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to, on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are falling asleep. Now, that means they died. don't mean they fell asleep during the preaching, all right? Verse number 7, after that, he was seen to James, then of, all, uh, then of all the apostles, and at last of all he was seen to me, also as one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it be, therefore, whether it I or, or they, so we preach and so you believe. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this day. And Lord, we realize, Lord, this may not be the exact calendar day, but Lord, we appreciate there is a day set aside that we celebrate a resurrected Savior. And Lord, I pray now, Lord, as we look at this very familiar text and these very familiar truths, I will not tell this congregation anything they've not heard before. Lord, I pray that you would make it fresh in our hearts today. I pray, God, you deal with the hearts of the unsaved. I pray you encourage us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We come here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We find here in this text what Paul says in verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Simply this morning, I just want to preach on that little term, the gospel. The word gospel is a very interesting word. It means good news. Warren Wiersbe said that the gospel is the most important message that the church will ever proclaim. And I say amen to what the man said. You see, we have a lot of people, they get away from the truth and the power of the gospel. In fact, a lot of people say, a lot of preachers say they want the power of God, but they never deal with the gospel, and they are missing the element because Paul put it like this. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I thank God for the gospel this morning. I tell you, the gospel is not just something that we should think about once or twice a year, but every day we live. Paul put it like this in Romans 1. He said that he had separated his life unto the gospel. I made this statement the other day. You cannot call yourself a gospel preacher if you don't preach the gospel. You can't call yourself a Bible preacher if you don't preach the Bible. And this morning, I want to, like I said, I ain't going to tell you anything you ain't ever heard before, but can we just run back by Calvary again, and can we study this great truth of the gospel? I'll put it like this. If Paul said it was the power of God unto salvation, then we ought to look at it, and we ought to review it, amen? So I want to say four things quickly out of this text. First of all, in verse 1 and 2, there is the declared message of the gospel. 
Verse 1 and 2, Paul begins by expressing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that it is to be declared. That word declared means to make known. I know the preacher of the gospel in verse 1. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. God's always used a man to preach the word of God. Amen. Paul was a converted man. He was a called man. He was a commissioned man. He was a consumed man. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He was a convinced man. He believed what he was preaching about the gospel. I'm telling you this morning, we still have a mandate to be a preacher of the gospel. You know what I want to strive to be today? I want to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't mean this wrong. I don't mind preachers helping people better their finances and all that good stuff, but that's not what my main job is. My main job is to deliver the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody said, well, that's just for people that are lost. Oh, no, no, no. That gospel ought to be something you live with every day of your life. When you think about what Jesus done for you, how he suffered, and how he bled, and he died, and he rose again on the third day, and how he lives forevermore. May we never walk away from Calvary, but may we always keep our eyes focused on the price that was paid for our sins. There's the preacher of the gospel. Then there is the preaching of the gospel. He said in verse 1, which I preached unto you. Paul has already alluded to this earlier in this epistle, but he'll say this in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to us which are saved it is the power of God. May I remind you something this morning? The world out there today don't understand why we've gathered in the house of the Lord. They just see Easter Sunday as another day to buy chocolate, and I'm not against the chocolate. Somebody say amen right there. But they look as another day to buy presents and maybe buy a new suit of clothes and, and go through religion your truth team and I'm telling you this morning I'm not celebrating some rabbit somewhere I'm not celebrating some some uh, some occult I'm celebrating the fact that we have a risen savior and he is alive and well and the world is to them to the world it's foolishness all oh, but to us that you're saved to those of us that's been to Calvary and our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ it is the power of God you might remember a time in your life when you rode by a church like this and you'd wonder why all them people in that building. Why is that fellow up there hollering at him? And why are they paying him to do it? Oh, but that when you was on the outside looking in. But now you're on the inside looking up. And you look out the window and say, why don't they come in? Why don't they understand? Why don't they know? I'm telling you, Jesus is the most wonderful thing and the gospel is the only thing worth telling. There's the preacher of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel. But in this text, I notice the product of the gospel. Look what he said in verse number 1. He'll say three things about what this gospel produced. He said, first of all, they received the gospel. He said, which you also have received. May I say this this morning very frankly. You'll either receive the gospel message or you'll reject the gospel message. There's no two ways about it. I received because I believed. I received the gospel because I believed the gospel. Amen. Paul talking to that church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1, he said, For our gospel came not only you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men were among you uh, for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. How about you? But I'm glad for the day that I received the message. Amen. 
they, were, they received the gospel. Then notice they remained in the gospel. He said, and wherein you stand. Once again, I want to reiterate the gospel is not just for lost people. Paul is talking to believers in this text. And he said, you're supposed to stand within that gospel wherein you stand. Amen. Then he says, there's a reminder about the gospel in verse 2. By which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless you believe in vain. What he preached to him? Well, he said in verse 1, I preached you the gospel. So that's why I don't feel bad about re-preaching a message about the gospel this morning. Because Paul said, it's good for you to keep it in memory. So this is the declared message of the gospel. But secondly, I want to look at the details that are mentioned concerning the gospel. You know, you ask a lot of people, and sadly, you ask a lot of preachers, what's the gospel? And you're allowed to get 37 different answers. Especially in a preacher's meeting, amen. Uh, what is the gospel? Well, we understand there's the gospel of the kingdom and there's the everlasting gospel and Paul will refer to another gospel which is not another. We understand all that. But what is this gospel that Paul is talking about? What is the gospel that is the power of God and the salvation? Well, Paul, I love it. Paul gives it to us right here in this text. First of all, it is the substitutional death of Christ. Look at verse 3. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Notice that wording. He said that Christ died died not for his sins but for our sins he couldn't die for his sins brother Charles because he had no sin in fact the writer Isaiah and by the way when Paul says according to the scriptures he's talking about those Old Testament scriptures he I believe he's referring back to Isaiah 53 where Isaiah said surely he hath borne our griefs surely he hath carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Aren't you glad that all my sin, all my wretchedness, all my wickedness, all my unworthiness, it was all laid on Christ for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank God he took my place. For Bible said for when we were out strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God committed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible said in 1 Peter 3 that it was the just for the unjust. He did no wrong, but he took my wrong. He did no sin, but he took my sin. He never told a lie, but he took my lies. He never done anything wrong, but he took what I did upon himself. And he kept Carried it to Calvary. And honey, he come down off the other side singing, What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Thank God he died in my place. He just didn't die in Barabbas' place that day. He died in my place. What is the gospel? Paul said it's the substitutional death of Christ. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. But what else is the gospel? Well, in verse 4, there's a sepulcher that was donated. And that he was buried. Now I've heard somebody say, well, preacher, what's the big deal about the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ in the message of the gospel? You ready? You don't bury alive people. <laughs> Ain't my Bible education worth all the money I spent on it, amen? You don't bury people that are alive. You bury dead people. He had to die. He had to die. 
Once again, I want to, I know you I sound like a broken record, broken record, amen, but he was not killed, he was not murdered, he willingly laid down his life. Hey, he chose when his heart stopped beating. He chose when his air quit, quit taking in, uh, when his lungs quit taking in air. He, he chose that moment. For he said on the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So what is the gospel, the substitutional death, the sepulcher that was donated? But then there's the supernatural demonstration. Watch what he said in verse 4. And that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I first saw that according to the scriptures about his death, and no, talking about Old Testament text, I'd have no trouble with that. But hunting the resurrection in the Old Testament is interesting. Oh, but it's there. It's there. It's all through there. Let me give you some verses. What was, where was the resurrection in the Old Testament? It was in three places. First of all, it was in the types. Here's what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 12, 40, for it's Jonas, that's talking about Jonah, was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And they knew the story of Jonah. That whale spit him out. But really what that whale did, he took him to a watery grave. But he come out preaching. Come out, hey, Amen. He come out. I understand the types fall off. You understand that. But that was an illustration of the fact that Jonah was presumed dead for three days. But all of a sudden, there he is again. That picture of the resurrection in the types. But, in, but then also you see the resurrection in the Old Testament in the text. Psalm 16.10. Here's what the psalmist said. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. You realize the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it laid in that grave three days and three nights, did not corrupt? We understand, I read it this morning, I read all four accounts of the resurrection this morning from a Bible reading. And we understand in that text those women came with those spices and those ointments. And the reason they came to do that, by the way, can we just thank God that we don't do that no more? Thank God we embalm people now. Wouldn't it be awful to have to go anoint grandma three days after she died? Amen. Well, y'all may think that's normal. That's weird to me. I don't like graveyards, I don't like cemeteries, I don't like funeral homes. Somebody said, they ain't going to hurt you, they'll make you hurt yourself. Somebody said, Jerry Clyer said they was in a funeral one time, and he said this fellow had died, and and his his name was uh, uh, Versi. Versi had died, and and his wife's sitting in that second pew, and he's there preparing the casket, and the preacher's up there giving the the message, and she's been almost, she said, Versi! Speak to me. Just hollering, Versi, speak to me. He said, I looked at my cousin and said, if he does, that wind is mine. <laughs> Somebody said, wouldn't you like to be? I was doing a funeral one time. It was actually, they had cremated the individual, and this had been years ago, and they had, they had, it was weird. We had the funeral one day, and three months later, they got the ashes back. True story. I was like, I want to get them ashes tested to see if that's really him or not. But anyway, so they put the, they had this bench. It was very nice. Uh, you like dead stuff, and, and, and it had this bench, they put the ashes down in there, and they took that silicone and put it around that marble and set it on top there, and they looked at me and said, go ahead, preacher, and so I started, you know, reading the verses and everything, all of a sudden, the wind got to blowing, and that silicone hadn't dried, and that marble started moving, I thought it was the rapture, especially when that thing fell, I'm like, okay, false alarm. Wasn't a rapture. I mean, I wasn't worried, but I mean, somebody said, I won't be in a graveyard or a funeral home with a rapture. Not me, Bubba. 
scare you to death, amen, because the dead in Christ are going to rise first, all right? Amen. I'm not a spiritual some people. How would I get on that? But, but they was going to anoint the body of Jesus because those bo- they didn't do the embalming like we do. But it was a waste of time. Number one, because he wasn't there. Number two, he wasn't going to need it. Because he said, Thou will not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Isaiah 53.10, talking about the picture of the resurrection of the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah said, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Watch it now. He shall prolong his days. He's just died. But he's going to prolong his days. Amen. So you see the resurrection, the Old Testament, and the types and the text. But then in Job's testimony, you know what Job said? Job said, 19, Job 19, 25. For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. That latter day ain't talking about the rapture. That latter day is talking about at, at, during the millennial reign of Christ. If the Lord come out today, 1,007 years from now is what he's talking about. Apparently, Job believed in a resurrection. Job said, if a man die, shall he live again? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. And aren't you glad this morning we're not here commemorating a dead Savior, but we're here celebrating a risen Savior. I'm glad I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Thank God he's alive. Amen. You can get on a plane and go to Buddha's grave, and his remains are still there. You can go to Allah's tomb, his remains are still there. You can go to Joseph Smith, Charles Taz, Russell, any of that crowd you want to go, their grave is still there. But if you want to spend $5,000, uh, you can go over to Jerusalem, and you can go and see nothing. Because there ain't nothing to see, amen. Somebody said, don't you think you need to go over there and make sure it's empty? I said, no, just give me the five grand, amen. I don't need to go over there and know that it's empty. I'm glad I know it's a, he's alive and well. Thank God for that this morning, amen. So we see the, the super, uh, substitutional death and the sepulchre that was donated, the supernatural demonstration, the sight of the, of the disciples in verse 5 through 7. The Bible said and he was seen as Cephas, then of the twelve. These are eyewitnesses. And after that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. In other words, Paul's saying, this just ain't some fairy tale. We had a lot of people see him. He's in fact, some of that 500 still alive is what he's talking about. He said, they remain with us to this day. You can go, you can go talk to him and see it. He is alive. And then there's the Savior's departure. He said, then of all the apostles, we know they saw him ascend up into heaven in Acts chapter number 1. They saw him. They saw him. So I said, preacher, what is the blessing of that? He is alive. Now I'm going to tell you what that's going to help you with. That's going to help you with all this mess we're dealing with in the world today. It's going to help you with all that junk we're living in. I tell you, this stuff, you're not careful to get in your mind. It'll battle your spirit and try to put depression and discouragement on you. But I'm telling you, honey, he is alive. This thing is real. This just ain't a fairy tale. It's not just something preachers come up with. But I'm telling you this morning, the gospel is real. Amen. What is the gospel in simple terms? It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is the declared message of the gospel. The details mentioned concerning the gospel. I preached all morning to get to this. There's the difference made by the gospel. Well, that's good preaching, but does it do anything? Paul says, I want to give a word of testimony. Watch Paul's reputation in verse 9. He said, I persecuted 
the church of God. Acts 26, Paul said, I barely thought myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints that I shut up in prison having received the authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every sanctuary, in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. Exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them, even under strange cities. Paul will say in 1 Timothy 1 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Tell me, that's the worst of the worst. The, the Saul, as we know him in Acts 9, was the equivalent of your ISIS today, going in and taking people out of their church and separating moms and dads and killing them, destroying them because they would not denounce the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, his reputation. But then there's his revelation. Paul said in verse number 8, and last of all, he was seen to be. Paul thought he was doing right. Paul was not a dumb man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But one day in Acts 9, he's got some papers in his hand. He's going down to Damascus. He's going to persecute those Christians down there and kill them, put them in prison, do a whole lot of awful things to him. Oh, but one day a light shone out of heaven. I don't know if Hank Singer ever saw the light, but I know Paul saw the light. Somebody say amen. Paul said, I saw that light, and I said, Lord, what wilt thou have me? It didn't take long for Paul to get saved. I tell you, when God shows up and that light begins to shine, all oh, that made a difference in Paul's life. And Paul said that was the revelation. God opened his eyes. But then there's his redemption. He said, and his grace was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Somebody said, Preacher, what's the grace of God? I'll tell you what the grace of God is. When Nero chopped Paul's head off and he woke up in the glory world, there were believers that he sent to heaven that were shouting the victory. Oh, Paul got saved. Oh, Paul got saved. You know what Paul did? When Paul went to Damascus, he had letters in his hands to persecute the church. But in Ephesians, he's sitting in prison and he's writing letters to help the church. I'll tell you what did that. AA didn't do that. Rehab didn't do that. Turn of a new leaf didn't do that. But I'll tell you what did do that. The gospel done that. The gospel made the difference. And his reason, Paul said, I'll tell you why I'm here preaching to you men today, preaching to you folks. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I'm not. Here's what Paul said. I've always, and I understand the positional truth. And people say, well, you shouldn't say you're a sinner. Say by grace, positionally, you're a saint. I agree with that. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, um, I want y'all to know I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> By the way, the closer Paul got to dying, the smaller he got. Here in Corinthians, he said uh, he was the uh, least of the apostles. Ephesians, he said he was the less of the least of the brethren. But when he got there to dying, he said, you know what, I really, I'll tell you what I am, I'm just the chief of sinners. But this is a faithful saying. I'm worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. What does that this morning? The gospel. The gospel. There's the declared message of the gospel. The details mentioned about the gospel. The difference made by the gospel. But last of all in verse 11, there is the duty that is mandated by the gospel. In closing, Paul is not closing out this text, but for our time this morning, Paul uses that word therefore. And that word therefore refers back to the context of what he's been talking about. So what is the mandate that we have from the gospel? Number one, there is a charge. He said, therefore, whether it were I 
are they, so we preach. Paul said, you know what my mandate is because of the gospel since I have received the gospel? I'm to tell it. I'm to proclaim it. I'm to declare it. I'm to tell others. That's what Paul did. Paul put it like this, 1 Corinthians 9, 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing the glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. If you give Paul a sermon slot to preach one message, I'll tell you exactly what he's going to preach on. He's going to preach on the gospel. You know why? It's the power of God and the salvation. There's the charge. Hey, if you're saved this morning, you've been born again, you believed and received the gospel, then you have a mandate to tell somebody else about the gospel. You have a mandate. So I'm not a preacher. You ain't got to be a preacher to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. I stopped at Krispy Kreme this morning and gave out, gave out gospel tracts and Krispy Kreme. Also got some donuts. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but I told him, I said, look, I said, hopefully all this crowd won't be getting donuts at 11 o'clock. And y'all can tune in on Facebook Live. If you're watching for Krispy Kreme, send us a dozen donuts. Amen. But I'm telling you this morning, just be a witness. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. You have a mandate. But then there's a choice in this text. He said, and so you believed. You see... That crowd that already has believed, Brother Matthew, we're supposed to tell it. But that crowd that hadn't believed, they got to believe it. They have a choice. God won't make you get saved, but he'll make you wish you would have. One old preacher said, God won't make you live right, but he'll make you wish you would have. That's not a scare tactic. That's just truth. It's a better life. Every person has a choice on whether or not they're going to receive the gospel. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter number 10, very familiar text. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, you know these verses, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and it goes all through here. What I'm interested in, though, is in verse number 14, how then shall they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how they shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But watch what Paul says. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know what Paul said in Corinthians? He said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Whom the, who, uh, who, and the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you received the gospel? Have you believed the gospel? Have you, do you have faith towards, repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ? Well, preacher, I know Jesus died on the cross. That's not the question. Well, preacher, I believe Jesus rose again. That's not the question. You can believe it. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble, according to James chapter 2. But they've not received it. They've not repented. Faith and repentance, amen, is repentance towards God. Because we disobeyed his law. And faith toward Jesus Christ because we need his mercy. I love what Paul said. He said, I did it ignorantly. In 1 Timothy 1.13, he said, I did all that stuff ignorantly. He said, but I obtained mercy. I'm going to tell you this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God, I'll tell you why you're saved. You ready? God's mercy. Because you didn't deserve it, and I didn't deserve it. I thank God for mercy. And if you're here today, you've never been born again. 
We use a lot of religious terms sometimes. That's a Bible term, born again. Jesus said, marvel not that I say to thee, you must be born again. Brother Willis preached it here the other night on the necessity of being born again. You know why? Because your first birth wasn't good enough. You got to get born again. You was born of the flesh the first time, but you got to be born of the Spirit. Jesus loves you today. He loves you so much. He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day. Thank God for the gospel this morning. And, since, and those of us that are saved, may we be reminded of the mandate that we have to tell others about the gospel. Let's stand together. I preach 26 minutes. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew's coming to the piano. Very quickly this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around. We wouldn't embarrass anybody or call anybody down for anything in this world. But I wonder if there'd be.